Another quote that I've heard one time and I, and I think is, is so awesome. It's like, preach the gospel wherever you go and use words when it's necessary. You know, that we be living examples of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Living examples. The title of my message this morning, and, and this was not something that I had intended, not something that I planned out for for a long time, but something that I felt like I got really strong direction early, early this morning to end up changing a couple of things. But the title of my message, on after after that disclaimer that I just threw out there, um, is "As Men Slept." As men slept. It's like the last thing I would ever want to do on Father's Day when we want to celebrate men is beat up on men with a message or something. But, 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 I feel like God ended up changing a little bit, or quite a little bit, the message that I had this morning, uh, what I had initially planned, to this. And the reason... I shared a couple weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, about a vision, a dreamy vision, derision that I had, a wave coming over a boat, and as that wave was coming over the boat, and I was grabbing for something that came into my mind, and I have just heard over and over and over, there were life vests in the back of the boat, why did you not hand those out to your people, to the people on the boat? It's like, okay. So I want to share with you this morning, we're going to go back, we're going to start in chapter 2 of Genesis. Verse 24. Chapter 2, verse 24, and then we'll be reading up through oh, verse 14. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. They shall become one flesh. And they, this was in the Garden of Eden, they, Adam and Eve, they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Now, everybody say now. Now. The serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat, nor shall you touch it. You shall not eat, nor shall you touch it. Pretty strong warning, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. Words of the serpent, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day which is something they were very accustomed to, being in his presence in the cool of the day, walking through the garden together. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and he said to him, Where are you? 
So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he, God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? And the man said, the woman whom you gave The woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. <laughs> ah, scapegoat. And the Lord said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. The serpent deceived me, and I ate. First of all, it was not until... They were back in the presence of God that they realized that they had sinned. It was the presence of God that convicted them of sin. What does the Holy Spirit do in our lives today? Convicts us of sin, makes us aware, brings correction into our lives. God said, look what you've done. Now, I, I want to, this is something when I felt like the Lord led me into this. It's like, okay, Eve sinned. She was the reason, the purpose for the, for the fall of man, the fall in the garden, uh, because she was deceived. But the message that I got from this for this day is what was the woman listening to? The Word of God, clearly the spoken Word of God to Adam and Eve, very clearly was, don't eat from the tree in the middle of the garden. The word of the Lord was, don't eat from the tree in the middle of the garden. But what happened to Eve? Now the serpent, more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord had made, came and said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of the tree of the garden? So what Eve started to do the last voice in her head, the last thing that she listened to was the voice of the enemy. Her perception then was hearing very clearly the voice of the enemy causing her to question the word of God. The voice of the enemy questioning the word of God. She, she, she referred back to the word of God again, and then she heard the enemy one more time saying, and the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Who was she believing by now? Was she believing the word of God? Or was she believing the voice of the enemy? She began believing the voice of the enemy. Why did she believe the voice of the enemy over the voice of God? He was, was speaking in her ear, cunning as he was, and he, I'm sure that then, and here's where I think we are today. It's like, we hear, we know, we're, we're becoming more and more familiar with the voice of God. We're becoming more familiar with the Word of God. So, so, so incredibly important that we know His Word. That we've read His Bible. That we are rooted and grounded in His Word. Not just in what we hear. Because we're hearing, definitely, she was hearing. But then, 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 then. Let me say, then she heard, then she began to decipher, think about what she was hearing, and then look, using her eyes 
using smell, using whatever. She began to look at the tree, look at that temptation where the Word of God clearly said, don't. She began to look at and, and, and perceive, huh, that looks good. He says it's okay. Not even any thought about this is the voice of the enemy just absorbing what she's hearing, processing it through her eyes, her ears, and her own perception, which is, you know, that doesn't look bad. That doesn't look that bad. Why would God, why would God say that? This looks good. This looks tempting. I think it's worth a try. Are you hearing me? Hmm. The voice of the enemy, that, that, the voice of the enemy, our perception, our perspective after hearing the voice of the enemy. See, we, even when we're led by the Holy Spirit, and we have that, oh, that, that feeling, that conviction, that whatever, right here, we can start to listen to that other voice. Then we can start processing it through our thoughts, through our eyes, through the smell, through the look, and go, yeah, you know what, I was probably wrong. That's probably all right. And we can pick it, and we can try it, and we can find ourselves fallen as well. Are you with me so far? Then she realized she had been duped. She had been deceived. She started listening to that voice. She started processing it, thinking about it in her mind, rather than just looking back to the Word of God, rather than listening back to what God had said, to what God had spoken. She started to process and think about it. It's like, oh, I think it'll be all right. How many times do we do that? How many times have you had that right here where, oh, I, there's something wrong here. There's something wrong here. But then we look and we watch and go, uh, you know what? I was probably wrong. And we indulge. It's like, oh. Then Holy Spirit comes, convicts us. We have opportunity to say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. I will learn from that mistake. I will repent and turn, and I won't do that anymore with your help, with your guidance, with your direction. It's like, Holy Spirit, come and do what you do. Okay, I want you to turn with me now to number two, Matthew thirteen twenty-four. Matthew 13 and verse 24. <clears throat> Jesus did so much teaching in, in parables. This, this is another pretty amazing parable right on the heels of when we were sowing seed, sowing seed, and some of the seed fell on good ground, some fell in thorny ground. Some, this parable follows that one right up, the, the parable of the sower. This is when... Verse 24, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. A man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, title of my message, but while men slept. Everybody say this with me, while men slept. 
His enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and then went his way. The enemy had done his business, sowed the sowing of the enemy. It's like, you know, we have divine appointments in our lives. We absolutely have divine appointments in our lives. People that come into our lives or people's lives that we come into that will speak life into our life, that will speak truth into our life. I say truth in love. The greatest friend that you can have is someone that will speak truth into your life in love. Not in condemnation, but truth in love. Everybody say truth in love. That's what we're supposed to be teaching. That's what we're supposed to be sharing. Truth in love. We'll speak truth in love into our lives. Best friend that you can have. And God brings those encounters into our life. But the enemy comes and sows tares, which are nasty little weeds that rob nutrition, that will rob from what's been, been planted in the field. Tares that come from the enemy. Tares that will begin to speak to you if you will listen and if you are not well grounded in the word of God and have not experienced the presence of God and his goodness in your life. We'll just call those plants. Plants of the enemy where the enemy comes while we're sleeping, while we're not paying attention, and plants people. Plants people could be in our church. We, we, we could use the church for, for, for a great example, where the enemy comes and plants people in our church. The way that the story goes on, if it, it, you say, well, well man, to the, to the owner, of the, to the farmer, to the owner of the field, well, what should we do? You know, you planted good seed, didn't you? It was good soil, it was a good field. Look at all the weeds that have grown up in there. Should we go pull them up? And he said, no, you can't pull them up now because if you pull them up, you'll uproot several of the wheat plants that are all around them. It's like, oh, so what do we do? Well, we wait till the harvest time. Then those will be plucked and those will be thrown into the fire while the wheat is put into the barn of our Lord and Savior, which is we're going to heaven. But I think of, you know what happens in so many, and we're going to go into another scripture here just in a little bit, but so oftentimes in church, someone that sows discord in the church will come in and, and become, and this happens in our government as well. There's some, I'm going to go into that here in just a second. But someone can come into the church and create, start sucking some, some of the nourishment and start drawing people around them, and when that person becomes offended, has been corrected, when correction comes into their life, it doesn't matter if it's truth in love or not, they're offended and they're ready to be pull up stakes by the roots and leave, and it affects many of the plants that are immediately around it. And so we see, you know, it says, woe to those who cause, who bring the offense. Woe to those. And, and I think that's the tear that's been planted that brings the offense when the tear has been corrected. Even truth spoken in love, <laughs> uproots, takes off, 
Several people are affected. And I've watched in church, now I've been a part of church for, part of this church for 30 years. Last month was my 30-year anniversary in, the, in a previous church for 18 years. So that's 48 years in church and in church service. So I've seen this happen more than once and, and realized that, oh my goodness, when that person pulled up stakes and took off, it caused quite a, a turmoil because some of the nourishment was pulled out. Some of them were pulled out by the roots because their roots did not go deeply enough into the Word, into the presence, and Holy Spirit not leading them, but their emotions. They took on someone else's offense. We are not to be people that are easily offended, but particularly not to take on someone else's offense. Are you with me? Yes. This making sense? Yes. We have to be so careful. Rooted, grounded in love. Rooted and grounded in the Word of God. The other day, that big windstorm that I was, was talking about tipped over a, a tree, and you could see that tree, a monster tree, tipped over across the street into the neighbor's yard. But the roots, there were many of them, they didn't go very deep. They were just shallow roots. And when it tipped that thing over, the roots stood this tall, but only about that deep. We have to be rooted deep in the love of God and in the Word of God. So we won't be affected by these kind of things that we see around us. I'm going to tell you when... When pressure, uh, when extreme pressure gets applied, that's when we really begin to see. When you take the DISC test, how many of you have taken the DISC test? It, well, in that DISC test, it's talking about your personality. And under a certain amount of pressure, under a little bit of stress and a little bit of pressure, you will react this way. Under a lot of pressure, you will react this way. Under extreme pressure, you will react this way. And we're coming into some crazy, crazy times. I've never seen things happen in my lifetime like we're experiencing right now. Like, oh my goodness. It seems like there are so many tears that have been planted in in our political system, in our leadership, in our government, in our school system, in our public school system, it is just absolutely... Renee said, don't stick my hands in my pocket when I'm trying to make a point. I'm going to quit that. <laughs> in our public school system, even what's happening to our, to our churches, our son-in-law, we, we talked to them last week, they finally opened last Sunday. But you know what? Yeah, it's... Praise report, praise, praise. They finally got to have church, but they could only have 75 people. And everyone that showed up in church had to register. And then they have to turn that registry in. It's like, oh, Lord. Now, we have plants in all levels of society. The enemy is going around planting tares. It's like plants, 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 plants. I oh, better be careful about getting too local here, but um, 
in our, in our school systems, when your son or daughter comes home and says that their teacher, their counselor, or even a circle of their friends is saying, you know what, you would make a better girl than you do a boy. Or you would be a better boy than you are a girl. That's probably what you should consider. It's like there is something horribly wrong with our public school system for a child to come home and express that to a parent. This is what I've been told. This is what's happening in our school systems today. It's like, oh my goodness. While we slept, while the church was asleep, there has been tears planted all over the place. We turn around and begin to look around and go, what happened? It's like, you were asleep, church. Wake up. It's time that we wake up. Not only wake up, let our voices be heard and begin to do something about it. Like, Lord, help us. God, we're looking for your really clear direction, but we are so... <laughs> Again, I, two months ago, three months ago, whenever it was, the last sermon that I preached before we ended up having to shut down, I was referring to media terrorism. It's like anybody... What, 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 do terror, what is terrorism and what do terrorists do? Terrorists bring fear, and once they've promoted fear, they get control. Control through fear. Well, I just refer to, to media terrorism is what we've been under for several months now, is media terrorism. We've been listening to the voices of the enemy. We've been listening to the tares, listening to the plants that have been put among us and we've been buying into it because well it kind of makes sense we're seeing enough of it on television we're seeing enough of it on our phones as we look on the internet it's just junk 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 whoa 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 fear 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 what if i catch this i might die so we're still seeing people running around with masks all over the place and the i really don't even want to get into that other than we just like eve are beginning to buy into the words that have been spoken through the enemy, by the enemy, through the tares that have been planted all around in our midst, and we're believing it, buying into it. Cassie says, drinking the Kool-Aid. I say, biting the apple, like whatever you want to call it. We're buying into that and giving into it. Meanwhile, we're handing over our rights as a church to be able to meet, to meet. This should be essential business. I was talking with Pastor Monty Sears, amazing man of God from, from CFC in Nampa. We spent probably 15, 20 minutes yesterday just like comparing notes and, and talking about what's, what's happening in the church. And he said nationwide... Returning COVID returns, he calls it, are less than 40%. The church that have already come back, that the churches are less than 40% now. So 60% of the people are still afraid to come and meet. 
Or they've just kind of fallen off because the momentum is no longer there. The habits have changed. Ah, We can just watch it on TV. We don't need to be in the presence. But folks, we know how important it is that we gather together, that we worship together, that we lay hands on one another. The Bible says, anoint the sick, lay hands on them, and they will recover. It doesn't say watch on TV and then just go pray on your own or... We need to be meeting. We need one another. We are family. We are strength. God says where there's unity, he commands a blessing. Now, can we have differences of opinion? Can we even argue just a little bit? Can we debate a little bit because we think a little bit? Absolutely. Are you going to go to hell for arguing with the pastor? No. You probably won't be right, but you're not going to hell. Yeah, that was funny. Nobody believed it, obviously, because everybody's <laughs> laughing, so that's good. That, you know, that, that's good. Uh, <clears throat> the voice of the enemy, the voice of the enemy, the voice of the enemy has become so loud and has got so much momentum and such volume to it that we're listening and that, that we're hearing it and that we're believing it, just like Eve. It's like, oh, no. God, what does your word say? Tim was reading part of it this morning, part of, part of the word of God, and he says, he wins. He wins. He wins. He's victorious. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. We count on him. We can believe his word, and if we follow his word, we win. You know, there's... Uh, Something else that I, that I got, and uh, I, was, I, I think that I need to share this as well. Uh, when, when I'm talking about when the times grow such that, that there's more pressure, that there's more stress, and there's, you know, there's more pressure on us, we get squeezed. We get squeezed from, from all sides, and we begin to react this way and this way. It makes me think of two stories. Uh, uh, Abraham. When he was in, was sojourning, sojourning. When he was in another country that he was not that familiar with, that he did not have that much influence with, he was afraid for his life. So he ended up telling the leaders of that country, the king Abimelech, "This is not my sister; it's my wife." Wait a minute! I said that just backwards. They said, "This is my sister." So, hey, if you decide you want her as your wife, go ahead and take her. It's, it's my sister. Yes, my sister, because he feared for his life. When he felt like the pressure was on, he didn't have a problem lying because the pressure was on. Not truth, but there was a half-truth to it. It's just like what Satan was ended up, the serpent in the garden was speaking to Eve. There was a half-truth to it. But when we're under pressure, there are things that we might do if we're not confident in who we are and who and whose we are, that we can do things that we would not normally do under enough pressure. Are you with me? He, 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 he lied. He lied, and he would just, like, give up his wife. It wasn't very long after that that his son Isaac 
turned around and did the same thing with his wife. You know, sometimes there are things that come down through generations that you will repeat the behavior under the same kind of pressure. You'll just repeat the behavior. It's like, oh, my goodness. I want to <clears throat> talk about two more mighty men of God. Uh, Noah. Noah, in the days of Noah. You remember what happened in the days of Noah? He had to end up building an ark, and God saved only him, his family, and all of the animals. Why? Because the times had become so dark. He saved him. Well, after he delivered them, after the flood subsided and everything else was dead, them and their family, they started, started raising up, started growing, and, and, and Noah became a farmer, and he planted a vineyard. And in that, in, that, in that vineyard, he started to produce wine. Well, he ended up getting himself drunk. He got drunk, and that getting drunk caused incredible chaos in his family. Amazing. Real chaos in his family. To the point that he cursed one of his sons for telling on him, because the other two went backwards and, and covered him up because he was naked in his tent. He would say, everybody say, naked and drunk. <laughs> naked and drunk in his tent. So his sons went in and covered him up. And when he, it says, when he woke up from his wine, I'm talking about, you can find this yourself. You can read it yourself. It's Genesis 9 and 21. Noah got drunk. So I read through the Bible here several years ago with a couple things in mind. And one of them was, filtering what God says, what Holy Spirit, how he would be leading me about alcohol and thoughts about alcohol. It's like, oh, there's one really powerful man of God who ended up surviving all of it. I, I mean, the rain, the, the flood, and then turned around and planted himself a vineyard and got himself drunk and then cursed one of his sons because of his drunkenness. Are you following me? So, it's like, wow, that, hmm, that's significant. That's pretty important that God saved him, that God brought him into, into this place. Then he got drunk and cursed one of his sons. Okay, I got that one. Check that, check that one. I found like 150 different references of warnings about alcohol in the Bible. Over 150 different warnings about alcohol in the Bible. The second one, I don't know if it was the second one in, in order, but the second one that I wanted to visit, Genesis uh, 19 and 30. You remember Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot. Remember Lot? What happened to Lot? He was the only righteous man that could be found, him and his family, the only righteous man that could be found in those two cities was Lot. And so God spared them. He sent the angels in. The angels led them out by hand because they were still resistant and wanted to look back. Led them out by hand. Got them out of there. Said, go to the mountains. Go to the mountains. And, and Well, I'm afraid of the mountains. What might happen to me in the mountains, Lot says. And again, you, you can read this, 1930. Genesis 19, verses around that 30. And he ended up, his wife turned, looked back, became a pillar of salt. So he had his two daughters and himself is all that was saved out of those two major cities. 
of Sodom and Gomorrah destroyed, completely destroyed for the incredible immorality and sexual immorality that was taking place there. Lot was spared. And what happened to Lot? He went, ended up going to a city, then to, uh, he said, this is a small city, I'll go there. Ended up fleeing to the mountain because he was afraid of the city after all. Got to the mountain, was hiding in a cave with his two daughters. His daughters began to hear the voice, the wrong voice, decided the only way that they would ever have children and be able to see their father's lineage continue on would be to have sex with their dad. So they gave him wine, got him drunk, and did exactly that. What voice were they hearing? Not the voice of the Lord, who wanted to see that continue on, but the voice of the enemy. They were obedient to the voice of the enemy because it started to make sense to them. Are you with me? They processed the voice. Though that makes sense because we do need to have kids. We want to see his lineage continue on. Let's get dad drunk. Then we can end up having babies. We can get ourselves pregnant that way. And they did. And they did. Story number two of some of the mightiest men of God in the Bible that ended up getting drunk and stupid. Is that not a pretty good warning? Then I probably don't need to go a whole lot further than that because I just wanted to make a point that I found 150 references of alcohol in the Bible and, and, and there's a couple, a few, a small handful that have positive references like eating, drinking, being merry and, and, and that sort of thing. Now, can you have a glass of wine? Can you have a craft beer? Can you have a something with your meal? Absolutely. I'm not saying that you can't. I'm not saying that you will go to hell if you do. I'm just saying that it is something that can trip you up so bad if you're not paying attention and hearing the voice of God, being led by that voice, if you listen to the other voice and say, oh, that's not so bad, oh, that's not so bad, you can fall into that so easily. We just need to be led by the Holy Spirit, listening closely to the Holy Spirit, not processing that other voice, and then thinking it through with our own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and then he will direct your paths. I've, uh, yeah, I've seen just tons and tons. Of, well, I'll use one more example that I've used more than once up here. It's like, never, I've been a professional. I had my own office in my own business and had an office here at the church for 15 over almost 15 and a half years now, never once has somebody come into my office and said, Lynn, boss man, or Pastor Lynn, ever since I started drinking alcohol, my life is going so well now. <laughs> Instead, I've seen marriages broken up, jobs lost, all kinds of havoc raised. When people into my office, you know, I've bailed people out of jail. I've helped through DUIs. I've sat in court proceedings. Uh, you know, okay, that's enough about alcohol. Yeah. Keep my hands out of my pockets and don't talk anymore about alcohol. Okay, got it, my dear. 
truth in love. You know, when things get tight, when things get tough, it's really easy to go to a, to a pain pill, uh, smoke a joint, take an extra drink of alcohol just to relax. Starts out to be just a drink just to relax, or a drink of wine before bedtime, a drink of wine with, with and then turns into something completely different. That viper that can turn around and bite you. Okay, enough about that. One of the things, a message that I heard several years ago was guard your guardrails. Guard your guardrails. You know, we set up certain parameters. I remember Mick Friend just talking about keep it between the white lines, you know, as we go through life. Keep it between the white lines. Don't get too far outside the lines. But this message that I heard was so much more impactful to me. It's like we set up guardrails for our lives. I mean, if if you're a guy struggling, struggling, if you're struggling with, with pornography, if you're struggling with porn, and you have uh, your, what do you call that thing that you carry, your tablet, your, your tablet, your iPad with you all the time, and you, you scroll through there, you see something, it's really, really easy to, you know, to end up going back to, it's like one thing leads to, it's like, oh my goodness, hand back in my pocket, quit it, uh, to scroll and then find yourself, it's like, how did I get here? Well, it's like just, just one click, one touch at a time is how I got here, how I got there. It's like, guard your guardrails. I remember one friend of mine that I had done quite a bit of counseling with, his wife, his wife caught him. And, oh my goodness, we were talking about significant major marriage counseling for months over this. And what he started doing, he got rid of no smartphone and no iPad. I can't have that with me. I have to guard my guardrails. I got to get rid of that because it's just too much and too easy of a temptation. So guarding our guardrails. And the Holy Spirit will lead us in that. He will strengthen us in that. But as we continue down the path, we'll get stronger in that on our own as he leads us and guides us. As we get past more and more mile markers. Thanks. You know, I think of, uh, of Jerry Lopez. I look out here across this, this congregation, and he just is a, a standout guy to me. Jerry and Marie Lopez, they've, they have been through much. Jerry was a significant part of a gang, and he led that, that, that gang kind of life. But once God got a hold of his heart and really got his feet firmly on the ground and really got his roots planted in the love and the Word of God, there's been no turning back, there's been no changing. And you look at his family, his and Maria's family, you would have no idea that he was a party an animal that he was mean he was a nasty guy now he is a, a, an amazing father amazing husband as God got a hold of him and he has guarded his guardrails leaned not on his own understanding but has acknowledged God put him first in all areas of his life and Jerry is just an amazing example of a father today and I just bless you in that, Jerry. And I'm grateful to have you as part of my life.
Your testimony is amazing. Someday you're going to have to, I'm going to have to give him the pulpit and just let him share for like 30 minutes of all of the stuff and the crazy um, things. You know, I, the only way that we visit the past is through the blood, through the eyes and the blood of Jesus, though, or we can begin to glorify our past, or even, as I said last week, party in the past in our minds. The last scripture that I want to use because it's pretty much time is 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Yeah, we'll go there. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, concluding with this one. Chapter 10, verse, start with verse 3, uh, 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not of the flesh, we're not battling with flesh, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Everybody say strongholds. Those things that mostly are in our mind that keep us back, that hold us back, keep us from doing what we want to do. Pulling down of strongholds. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. It's like, those are those terrors that we're talking about that are speaking and speaking and speaking and speaking. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity. Bringing our thoughts into captivity. Those thoughts that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. What do we believe? We believe the Word of God. What do we believe? We believe in the presence of God, the peace of God, and a peace that passes understanding. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. If we could stand together. Pastor Rutson, I would love to end up having you, getting you, a, I think, would you hand your dad a microphone? Where'd they go? I just encourage everybody, you know, there are many, many homes where mama has to be father and mother. There's a lot of homes where dad has to be mom and dad. Broken homes. But I just encourage you this morning. It's like, wake up. We need to wake up. Amen. While men sleep, wake up, wake up, wake up. See what's happening around us. Recognize the voice that you're listening to as you start to, to, you know, to ponder and to think. It's like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. It doesn't matter what makes sense in our, in our mind, in our head, in our perception. It's what does God say? What does God say? What does God say about it? What does his word say about it? What are his promises to us today? Father, I just thank you for this, for this congregation. I thank you for your word this morning. I just pray that you would give each of us the strength that we need.
to walk out these times, that God, we will be that light that shines bright in the darkness. That we will be walking, living examples of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I bless each one with a supernatural strength, endurance, and wisdom that comes from on high. And I just thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing, for all that you've done, and all that you're going to do. And we bless your name. Amen. And I'd like Pastor Rutzen to, to speak the blessing that we have so loved, enjoyed, and looked forward to over the years. You would just bless our men this morning. And as he speaks that blessing, we've got gifts for you. Guys, what every man likes, and that's a candy bar. <laughs> Something a little sweet. I would like for all of the fathers present, if you just extend your hands forward. And I'd like for the congregation to share blessing with me. If you just want to reach out and just touch the hands or the shoulder or something of the men around you. I want them to feel your blessing upon them. We're thankful for our fathers. The Lord himself depicted himself in the role of a father. His prayer that he taught to us was to begin with our father, which art in heaven. Being a father is such a blessing, honor, and responsibility. And so I say to all these fathers, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord encourage and strengthen you. May he give you a clear understanding of your importance and the need of your example and your leading and guiding your family. I pray and I speak God's blessing upon your home, upon your children, for they are your heritage. I speak God's blessing upon you physically and emotionally. I speak God's grace and peace upon you as you go about your labors. May you be encouraged. May you be uplifted. May you be strengthened today as you walk into the coming days of your life. May the Lord's grace be upon you. May his face shine on you. May he be gracious to you and lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And I would like to speak to all the men here that are now fathers, young men. Would you extend your hand? Our future is greatly vested in you. You may not be married, you may not have children as yet, but if the Lord tarries, I don't know how long he will tarry, but if he does, you will undoubtedly become fathers. I want to speak God's grace and blessing into your life to prepare you to be the men and the fathers that you need to be for our future generations. And so I speak to these young men. I pray God's rich blessing and grace upon you.
May he prepare you for the days ahead. May you be granted with understanding and wisdom to apply your hearts to wisdom. And do not squander nor waste the talents and the abilities that God has given you. But may you be graced and blessed with applying your hearts to wisdom. And prepare yourself to be the men, the fathers that will be needed in the trying days ahead. May you be blessed with wisdom. May you be encouraged. And may you understand the great privilege it is to be a man of God. And so may God's rich blessings be upon you today and in the days to come. Go with God. He loves and cares for you. Bless you.